Bible college. Not bridal college. Not backslide college. And don't forget it's not binge watch college. It's Bible college. That's right. Some of you need to quit worrying about getting a healthy relationship and get your Bible closer to your face. Some of you that are on the verge of walking out on God, walking out on the church, walking out of your Bible, you need to bury your nose in the carpet and repent and draw nigh unto God while he is near. It's time to turn off the TV, turn off the phone, Leave the podcast running, of course, but turn off what you're watching. Listen to some preaching, some teaching, and get some good stuff into your head. Become a pod head, a God, Bible, and church pod head right here. Yeah, but for some people, uh, Bible college is not what it should be. And I feel to talk about these things with you all. Every year, every semester, every Bible college whether it's UPC or some independent or whatever organization, other oneness apostolic organization. I know we're supposed to be holy people. We're supposed to be godly people. We're supposed to be separate people. But, you know, there's always the wheat among the tares. There's always a wolf among the sheep. And among the best, you can find the worst. And I went to eight semesters of Bible college, and it seems like every semester there was always that creepy guy uh, that was there at Bible college sniffing around just looking for a wife. Sometimes they were a student. Sometimes they were like, you know, the uh, 43-year-old single dude uh, hanging around the the uh, commons area trying to uh, date a 19-year-old girl. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, and I'm sure a few faces and a few names are already popping up in your mind, okay? Uh, listen to Justin. Take my advice. Stay away and uh, report it to your campus pastor. Or even, you know, like, uh, e- even like churches nowadays, you got the the church hoppers. Man, people are church hopping again. Uh, I think the COVID restrictions, everybody feels like it's over, whatever, they want to move on with their life, and they're starting to do the church hop thing again. But what about these guys that church hop, not led of the Spirit, uh, not there for uh, to become under a pastoral authority or to you know, to grow spiritually or whatever. Maybe the church they're coming from, there's a lot of major problems and they're just looking for a better environment. No, I'm talking about the guy that church shops because he's looking for a wife. Oh, that's creepy. And you can see him a mile away. Or that or that dude that just crashes your hyphen party just because he's looking for a wife. Oh, that's creepy. And that's just not how it works. It's not being spirit-led. And that, and that happens at Bible college and it just, it, it ruins it for a lot of people. Uh, don't be that guy. And all of the good guys, you need to do what you can to protect the girls from those type of dudes. So I can only think of one guy that actually went to something that had to do with God, Bible, and church for girls, but actually walked out of it closer to God. And that's evangelist Chris Green. You remember at General Conference a few years ago? He got up there and said, I I, uh, had never been to a UPC or holiness uh, event. Never been to a, a church, never been to a conference, never been to a camp, but I heard about Texas camp meeting and I heard there was girls, so I thought I would go because there was girls. He said, I walked in there looking for girls, but all of a sudden I found the power of God, the true Jesus, the true message, <laughs> the true Christian life. And he just uh, had a powerful experience with God and now he's 
one of our great evangelists in the apostolic church. He went there for uh, girls, but he actually got God. That is a, a rare instance. I've ne- never heard of another guy that that was on the hunt for a for a, a girlfriend or wife, whatever, and found God other than Chris Green. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a very very rare thing. So, uh, but I. I <laughs> Maybe some of you, the next time you see Chris Green, say, lay hands on me. I'm looking for a wife, but I need God. <laughs> Get that green impartation. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, okay, so I'm picking on the guys. Let's, uh, oh, well, I don't want to pick on the girls. Um, I want to be sensitive, you know, and, uh, but uh, all things equal, right? There, there are creepy girls out there. Believe me, I know. I uh, sort of got stalked my junior year of Bible college. So it's like the second or third day of classes, I open up my mailbox and there's this uh, piece of paper in there with uh, pink handwritten ink. And this girl, it's unnamed, unmarked, but it's for me, confesses her undying love for me. And I'm like, this is a joke. So I throw it out. The next day, bam. Uh, It's not just one piece of paper, it's like two pieces of paper. And it's the pink ink, and it's it's more and more. And I'm like, wait a minute, this don't sound like a joke. This is this is getting this is this is real. <laughs> and so I went up and showed a bunch of guys there on on the, uh, in my dorm on the third floor, and they all thought it was absolutely hilarious. Well, word got around after three or four more letters, we figured out who the girl was, and the the letters started getting really big and started getting really long. And it was all about the will of God and this and that and the other. And it was just crazy. It was just weird. And I, I knew who this girl was. And it got to the point where I, I was just avoiding her because I knew you don't you just don't know what girls will say or do sometimes. And I knew she was she was she wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. And but so so I would just avoid her. I didn't want to talk to her. She no telling what she would say or do. So I didn't know how to put a stop to it. I wasn't about to go report her to the campus pastor. I mean, they were just letters, right? So my friend Michael Ray, my friend Michael Ray, my friend back then that we met met 20 years ago and good friends to this day, he said, Gleason, let me take care of you. He was working in the mailroom in that semester, and he went in and made uh, like 250 copies of that of that letter. And he stuck all the stuck copies in everybody's mailbox at the whole school. So that afternoon, everybody that opened up their mailbox, they looked in it and saw uh, a mate, all these uh, crush letters. <laughs> Wouldn't call it love letters. Crush, psycho, will of God, let's get married letters from this girl to me. And everybody was like, oh, my God. Well, after that, the letters uh, stopped. So I guess that's how you take care of it, right? <laughs> oh, Bible college. Welcome back to the Justin C. Gleason podcast. I invite you to consider following, leaving me a great review and rating and sharing this episode with your friends. Also, if this podcast is of value to you, something that you really enjoy, I want to invite you to sow to the spirit, to one who teaches, as it's written about in the book of Galatians. You can give through Cash App, PayPal, and Venmo. Scroll down for the links in the show notes. Do you like olive oil or kosher Mediterranean food? I know I love it. Do you want to taste the best olive oil in all the world? 
you can. November 2022 in Israel, the Holy Land. Galilee seriously produces the best olive oil that you've ever had. It's delicious. Not only that, but you will see olive trees that are 2,000 years old, some of them 3,000 years old, the very ones that Jesus would have seen in the Garden of Gethsemane. Visit samsontours.com, scroll down to you find my name, my picture, and sign up. Check it out. It's going to be a great trip. Follow me on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason, and also contact me at Justin C. Gleason at gmail.com. Reference the show notes for all of these details. Podcasting is the future. Because it's a music Twenty years ago, I enrolled as a freshman at Gateway Bible College of Evangelism. Twenty years ago. Man, I feel old. But it seems like it was only yesterday. Some great years of my life. Very, very pivotal. Pivotal. Can't talk. I need some more coffee. Uh, there we go. Pivotal. Very powerful. Very, very, very good years of my life. And I, I need to really get down and get serious about journaling about those Bible college years. I, I didn't journal my Bible college years. I didn't until, didn't start journaling until after Bible college. But I need to, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I'll, those Bible college years, man, I... A lot of it's kind of a fog, so I didn't sleep, you know, but uh, great years. And I've done a lot of thinking, done a lot of writing, and actually counseled a lot of people that have heard from God to go to Bible college, and the Lord has given me some insight in areas that you need to focus 100% of your time and your energy and while you were at Bible college, and that is five major things, your social life, personal growth, ministry, academics, and employment. So you need you need to give 100% to all of them. Really, anything you do in life, if you want to be successful, give it 100%. Okay? If, if you're going to sing in the choir, give it 100%. If you're going to preach in the pulpit, give it 100%. If you're going to work the sound booth, give it 100%, right? Uh, if you're going to work the altars, my favorite, give it 100%. If you're going to eat, give it 100%. If you're going to sleep, give it 100%. Okay, if you're going to fall in love, give it 100%, right? Give everything 100%. So it's not like any of these come in any particular order. You just need to give 100% to everything while you're in Bible college. Your social life, personal growth, your ministry, your academics, and your employment. Your social life, this comes through making just general friends, relationships, and it comes to dating. It applies to dating, engagement, and marriage. It's just your interaction with people that you're in school with and that you're going to go to church with, people that you meet on corral tour or whatever, or uh, going out with a, a ministry team. Relationships, your social life, all of that. It is very important because it can either propel you or it can really prohibit you. 
So uh, let's go ahead and just talk about the marriage thing. I don't know what it is about Bible college. There is so much pressure to get married while you're in Bible college. And I don't know where that comes from. It, it happened to me. I don't know. Maybe, and my parents never pressured me. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe a lot. Some some parents do. My parents sort of did whatever. You know, they kind of hinted towards it. Justin, you need to go there and keep your eyes open. Maybe you'll fall in love, get married, grandkids, all of that. Some pastors put pressure. And I think it's a good thing, especially nowadays, because a lot of kids just aren't getting married for some reason. They're having a hard time with it. So maybe a little pressure is good, but unhealthy pressure is bad. But let's think about this pressure. If you're feeling pressure right now going into Bible college about the getting married thing, ask yourself this. Do most people go into Bible college married or single? (laughs) They go into it single, don't they? Yeah. Most people that go into Bible college aren't married. They're single. Ask yourself this. The people that graduate after four years uh, or uh, eight semesters, Unless you continue on with masters and all that, just just a, a bachelor's, okay? Four years. Do most people graduate single or married? <laughs> most of them graduate single, so it is normal. It is common for students to go into Bible college single and come out single. That 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 is the most common. It's actually very rare to go into it married, or to come out of it married. So with that in mind, don't feel like you're odd. Don't feel like you're weird. Don't feel like there's something wrong with you. That's just really normal, because let me let me tell you, to date, to get engaged, to get married, that is work. And it requires a lot of effort. And it requires a lot of prayers, a lot of focus. And it can be very difficult to manage your academic life, your employment, your personal growth, all of that, and, tr- and try to get ma- married. Uh, sometimes maybe you better get married before Bible college, or, or better yet, probably for most of us, like I did, after Bible college. So, But uh, you never know when you go in there. I, I didn't go in there hoping to get married. I didn't go in there thinking I would. I kind of felt a little pressure, like, I was one of them people like, there's something wrong with me if I don't come home married. You know, that's just what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to accomplish. That's how to uh, create a good reputation for yourself, right? So uh, I didn't really go into Bible college, you know, on the prowl, whatever. But there was this girl that caught my eye. There was this girl that caught my eye. And during, in, in my high school years, I never dated Seriously, never fell in love, never had a real serious relationship, did a few banquet dates, a, you know, a, a little bit of phone calls here and there, but never had like an actual girlfriend. This is the days before social media where you put on your status that you're in a relationship, all that. Anyway, my freshman year, there was a girl there that caught my eye. And I, I don't know what it was. Nobody really taught me how to get a date. Nobody really taught me how to talk to girls, but there was just always... Uh, something in me that knew that if you can make a girl laugh, you can make a friend. If you can make a girl honestly laugh, uh, you can make her comfortable. And uh, it just kind of opens up her heart and soul to to talk to you. 
And so when I went up to this girl, nobody introduced us. I just went up to her. She was sitting at a table with a bunch of her friends. You know, we're all freshmen here. I just go up and I sit down. And no, I didn't go up to her and say, uh, praise the Lord, sister, such and such. My name is Brother Justin Gleason, and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I didn't do all that. I don't know why guys do that. Uh, that typically uh, turns a normal girl off, unless, unless she is... Uh, Super spiritual, uh, better yet, uh, weird spiritual, the weird spiritual that works. But no, I actually went up to her and this, you know, this is uh, 2001. Austin Powers was still uh, <laughs> still kind of a big deal. Everybody knew who Austin Powers was. <laughs> and I went up to her and I sat down and this is 2001. Guys didn't have the high and tight haircut. We actually kind of grew our hair out a little bit, kind of still had the Caesar haircut going. And I kind of had the still those kind of thick black glasses, and I, I sat down, so I kind of looked like Austin Powers, actually. I sat down to her, and I just smiled, and she looked at me like, oh, my God. And I just said, allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> and she started laughing, laughing so hard that tears started coming out of her eyes, and it just kind of broke the ice and and we dated a little bit Obvi obviously it didn't work out finally met uh, the girl that god had for me the lovely the beautiful the best sister g but uh, i think the more casual and low-key you keep it guys uh the better uh the better uh the more dating you can do where people can see you the better uh the more focused you remain on the school and stuff the better but you can develop a great, you know, the beginnings of a wonderful relationship with uh, just simple conversations like that in the in the commons area or in the library or whatever. It's when everything starts getting private and secret. That's when it starts getting weird and usually ends up becoming very sinful. And, and a lot of people just, uh, uh, they get involved with somebody and it's like they're married, you know. You're living on campus together. You know, it's it's not... Like you're in youth group, you know, she has her house, you have your house, you got the parents, the, the church thing. You're in, you're on the same campus together. You guys are all practically family. When you date, there's like a closer connection that you would have uh, in your hometown or a long distance relationship or something like that. You got to remember that. The more casual you keep it, the better you will be for yourself. Not the easiest thing to do, especially if you're falling in love and you're dating in the will of God and all of that. But uh, why not use a little bit of wisdom? So who you date, who you fall in love with, who you have a relationship with is you got to give it 100%. Do it 100% right. And then, of course, your friends. You need to pick the right friends. Okay. I'm not saying you got to pick the, the guy or girl that's up at 4 a.m. praying or praying really late or the, or the person that's got you know the highest GPA, although there's nothing wrong with that. Shockingly, the people that come out of Bible college and end up doing great things for God aren't always the people that everybody thinks is going to do a lot of great things for God. You know, so many special people change. Think about it. The kids that were cool in grade school, when it came time for junior high, they weren't cool anymore. The kids that were cool in junior high, they weren't cool in high school. And the kids that were cool in high school, they no longer were cool in college. Same thing works for uh, everybody who was cool and popular you know, and sexy uh, in Bible college. They go on to the real world, and, and they turn out to be schmucks, okay? 
it's the people at Bible college, the people that you really want to truly be friends with, are the people that just give it 100% and have good intentions in their heart with their social life, personal growth, ministry, academics, and employment. In other words, people that keep the main thing the main thing and are mature enough to be responsible. That's who you want to look for. That's who you can trust. That's who you really, truly want to buddy up with. They're the people there that just kind of get the whole Bible college thing, the whole Bible college culture. They know how to manage properly their social life, personal growth, ministry, academics, and employment. If you can do those five things, everything else falls into place. You know, you'll never do a prank that's out of control. Uh, you'll you never gossip about somebody and completely destroy their reputation. You'll, you'll never do that. You keep those five things going, and everything will just uh, fall fall into place, and you'll come out of Bible college a powerful man or woman of God. about personal growth. Everybody goes into Bible college needing to, to better themselves in certain areas. Everybody goes there. It's a, it's a safe place to go and really develop personally, to grow inwardly, uh, to discover things about what, what God has in store for you, right? Something that I, I've admitted it on here in this podcast, I have a major regret in my life that I did not strive to make better grades. I never was attracted to higher level of academia. I'm not saying I was happy to make C's or D's, but I was just one of those kids that I was very content to come home, do my homework for an hour, kind of read over test material, and just give it an hour or maybe two hours. And whatever I could get done in an hour or two hours, that's whatever grade I would get. I would be happy with that. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't an F student. I didn't flunk. I got through it okay. But I wish I would have given extra time to make those A's. I, I really, really do. It would have helped me even more. I had to really kind of play catch up with, um, I guess, being efficient and, and work done on paper and in reading and studying and, and things like that. So I, I, I think I'm an A student now in my own uh, self-education, but one thing, a problem I had, I never really enjoyed reading. I don't think I had ADD or ADHD or any of, any of those things. Never had to get on Ritalin or any of that, but I just didn't like to read. I, I loved preaching. I loved listening to it. I loved church, but I just, me and books just, I, I just had a hard time with books. You know, growing up in, in a grade school, junior high, high school, when it came time to book report, I would kind of skim through the front, read through the back, read the summary on the, on, the, on the dust jacket and create a book report. And the teacher would say, hey, you're good. Here's a C. Here's a B minus. And I, I'd be okay with that. But I knew going into Bible college, if I'm going to preach, if I'm going to make a difference in this world, I got to read. Preachers read. They read their Bible. They read books. You want to uh, set yourself apart really uh, is distinguish yourself. You need to have something to say, and you ain't going to have nothing to say unless you read. So on my 21st birthday, my junior year, I knelt down in my room, and for the first time in my life, I asked God for a birthday present. 
and I said, Lord, I need a love to read. It's not going to come on my own. You've got to give it to me. Please give it to me. And I got up off that floor, and the, I looked at my Bible. It was a huge honking Thompson chain that my parents gave me for my senior year graduation. And I, I started reading it. That was early November. By Thanksgiving, I'd read that Bible completely through. By Christmas, I read that Bible com- completely through. And by Valentine's Day, I read it through again. I just fell in love with the Bible. And I've never stopped reading it ever since then. God gave me a love to read. That was a supernatural um, level of personal growth that I don't think I could have gotten if I wasn't at Bible college. You know, you're around Bible college, you know, 30 hours a week of Bible and Bible and Bible and books and books and books and, and teaching and preaching and stuff. You just become immersed in it. And it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. And I just developed a, a love to read there. And I love reading good books about the Bible. I prayed growing up, but I never really had a strong prayer life. I definitely knew how to pray at the altar. I definitely knew how to pray at camp. But one-on-one prayers was something that I hadn't really felt like I've gotten good at. And I learned to pray while I was at Bible college. I learned to pray in my room. I would go to the prayer room very, very consistently. Not not seven days a week. I usually would pray uh, from 11 p.m. to midnight. You know, I'd, I'd get back from work or whatever, hang out with the guys girls, whatever, play ping pong. Then uh, curfew was at 11. I would get right to my room and go to the prayer room and pray from 11 to midnight. Then I'd come back up to the dorm and uh, go crazy like a cr- clown from midnight to 3 a.m. I was usually the last one to always to go to bed for whatever reason. But I, I learned I learned to pray and had a great time, and I've kept that prayer life. I don't pray late anymore. It's usually in the morning and also in the afternoon. But I just I learned to do it. I learned how to get alone with God. I learned how to connect with God. And I had powerful, powerful one-on-one prayer times with God. And that's really where a lot of the spiritual impartation came. So I would immerse myself in the Bible and books about the Bible and then immerse myself in the Spirit. And I was called to preach the Word when I was 11 years old at Wisconsin District uh, Teen Camp. I was called to prophetic ministry while I was at Gateway Bible College. And it happened during a a prayer time. The Lord manifested. uh, His voice came to me. It was a powerful moment that I'm not prepared to tell all the details about yet. It's just too special. It's such a personable thing. I'm just not ready to talk about it all publicly yet. But, I mean, it it happened in, in prayer. The impartation of the gifts of the Spirit and all of those things happened in uh, that prayer time. So, and things are still developing in prayer time. So you need to learn how to grow personally while you're at Bible college, grow, 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 grow personally. And you know, your, your professors will help you do that. Your friends will help you do that. But really the, the inner power is within you, what you give yourself to, what you push yourself to do, what you, um, excel in personally to become. Let's talk about ministry involvement. When I say ministry, that means actively doing something. What what are you doing to touch other people? Okay, what are you doing? All right, let's let's talk about. All right, and when I say that, obviously you think of platform ministry. My platform ministry did not begin with preaching. It actually began with playing the drums. 
It was a very average teenage pastor son church drummer. That summer before, after my senior year, that summer before my freshman year of Bible college, I had practiced drums. I, w- I wanted to be a, a drummer at Gateway. Those drummers, man, they were awesome. And I just, I loved Jeremy Hoffey. I loved that chorale, and I wanted to play drums, and I worked so hard. Some of you know James Sims. James Sims, I grew up with James Sims. He and I grew up uh, together. And he's a phenomenal piano player. And that summer, he and I would go up to the church, and he'd play piano, and I'd play drums. And we really just kind of helped each other develop musically. And so I walked into Gateway, tried out for drums, and I'll never forget Brother Hoffey kind of looking at me. Didn't seem too impressed. <laughs> and he said, well, uh, why don't you get off those drums and try out on the bass? And I thought, uh, I don't know how to play bass. Why are you asking me that? But I, I just went ahead and did it. I knew don't question, don't second guess, just do what you're told. And so I got on that bass and I, you know, I'd kind of fumbled around on bass. You know, I knew where a C was and I knew where F was, you know, and I, I knew how to make a little bit of noise out of it. But I remember just kind of playing around on that bass, not knowing what I was doing and the tryout was over, and I walked out and really didn't feel confident about myself because there was a lot of phenomenal drummers there. So I went back to the dorm, you know, had some fun, and, and then I go, I, I see a, a voice message for me, and it's Brother Hoffey, and he says, come down to my office, please, and I do. I get there, and he said, well, you tried out for drums, and you're good, but I, I don't need you. I got enough drummers. And he said, and to be honest with you, uh, they're, they're better than you. <laughs> You know, you got to when it, when it comes to Bible college level music and singing and stuff, you got hey, it's you, know, you got to sound professional, got to sound good, right? Be honest. So, and uh, but he said, "I have no bass players, but for whatever reason, I just feel like you have got bass playing inside of you." And I, I have no other bass player. You're it. You're going to be the bass player. And I just, I, I, I thought, the, my first thought was, are you being serious or is this a joke? Is this a test? And I, the look in his eyes, I'm like, okay, Brother Hoffey's being serious, you know. I was 18, and, and I knew he was a phenomenal bass player. And I, I just, when he said it, I immediately trusted him. I trusted him. I, I believed him. I'm, I'm like, okay, he, he, if he sees it, it's there. And he's going to teach me, and it's going to be okay. So I, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't worried. But I, then, again, I, I, then I thought, this entire summer, I trained to be a drummer. Never picked up the bass, but I show up here, and now I'm like the bass player. He taught me the number system. I learned 15 songs that first week in the ensemble, or the crowd went out that, that first weekend, and I mean, <laughs> I'm back there playing bass. We played at General Conference, all kinds of places uh, that first semester, I, and I, I never played bass before really in my life, but I didn't know it, but I had that ministry inside of me and that ministry is still with me to this day and you just what I'm trying to say is you never know what kind of ministry will come out of you while you're at Bible college I didn't realize it but I learned to be a teacher at Bible college I, I didn't like teachers guys that we that we label as teachers in our fellowship the teachers you know I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be the the loud pitching and snorting screaming evangelist. That's what I started out as. But I, I'll never forget that first Sunday being a youth pastor. I stood up in front of the class thinking I would yell and scream and holler, and all of a sudden I, fi- I found myself picking up the dry, the dry erase marker and writing things on the board, and I turned into a teacher. That all happened at Bible college. Ministry just developed 
That's what Bible college does. It helps bring stuff out of you that is inside of you that a lot of times just your pastor, your youth pastor can't do it, but that's what Bible college is for. It pulls stuff out of you. Didn't know I was a bass player. Didn't know I was a teacher. Uh, you just you just learn. So a lot of you, you may walk into Bible college, you have no interest ever in children's ministry, but you get in it, you get around it, and you're like, whoa, I like these puppets. Man, I like these uh, clown costumes. And next thing you know it, you're like a children's evangelist, right? Uh, some of you, you had no interest in like any graphic design or whatever. But you get into Bible college, you get around it, you start seeing, and then you realize, wow, I can make great graphics. And next thing you know, you're making amazing graphics for your pastor. You take your media ministry to another level in your church, and you found it at Bible college, and you'll be rewarded for it in heaven someday. So developing your ministry, give 100% to it. Go in there very open. Don't walk in there like a know-it-all, okay? That's not what college is for. And it brings me to my next point, academics. Like I said, I was not a good student. I didn't make good grades in Bible college. I, I wish I would have applied myself more. Maybe I need to go back to school. I'm thinking about maybe possibly thinking about perhaps maybe thinking about the thought of going back to school. But and I just it, it makes me nervous. I, I don't know. But, okay, let's talk about your professors. Professors are different than any other person you're going to sit under. Professors are not pastors. They're not Sunday school teachers. They're not youth pastors. They're not evangelists. They're not, they're not your secular uh, public school teacher. They're not a Christian school teacher. Okay. All right, what do I mean by that? Professors do something that pastors, teachers, evangelists, whatever, they do something that, that is totally different. You want to know what Bible college professors do? They're there to challenge you. That's right. Do, do pastors challenge you? No, they really bring conviction to you. They really guide you in the way of truth. They help you prepare for salvation. That's what your pastor does, your youth pastor. Okay. What does your Sunday school teacher do? Their assignment there is to simply educate you in basic Bible doctrines. Okay. What, what is the evangelist there for? It's, it's there to pull you out of your seat, get you to the altar. What, what is a, uh, a church camp counselor there for? You know, they're there to just kind, kind of love you and encourage you and, and make sure you're uh, not shaving, creaming people, okay? <laughs> right? Your Bible college professor doesn't really do any all of that. He or she is there to really challenge you. And it, it took me a few weeks to figure that out. You know, they may get angry with you. They may question you. They may... Uh, get in your face a little bit. They're not your pastor. <laughs> They're not your parent. They're not there to be your dad. They're not there to be your mom. Right? They are there to challenge you. They are there to make you think. They are there to make you read big books that you've never read before. They are there to make you write big papers that you've never written before. They are there uh, to make you feel sometimes like a dunce. You walk in, you, you can quote Acts 2.38, and then you realize, whoa, <laughs> the things they're teaching, there's so much more than that. You know, the types and shadows, uh, the depths of the Old Testament. Uh, what about uh, textual criticism? Uh, all of that stuff. It's, it's there to challenge you. And it's good. Education will make you powerful. 
Uh, it, it really will. Now, every Bible college, every college, whatever, has that one teacher uh, that's not really there to challenge anybody. Uh, they're there to teach because they cannot do. <laughs> There's usually only one, right? Every Bible college has them. But for the most part, all of them Bible college people uh, have done profound things in their life. And they've got the fruit to show it. You know, the people, the students that got really close to them and really got under their their covering, their academic mantle, if you please, they wanted to, went on to do amazing things for God. Okay? Some teachers don't do that. They're just smart. They made a lot of straight A's or whatever. And But... You know, they are. They're, they're pompous. They're arrogant. Uh, they really don't care about preparing you for anything. They, they, they just like to hear their head rattle, right? There's some podcast hosts like that. But for the rest of the professors, the real podcast hosts, uh, we are there. They're there to challenge you, to not make you look stupid, but to grow you. Okay? I know we're, as Christians, we're supposed to be loving and bear each other's burdens and all of that. Uh, believe me, your Bible college professor, a true one, loves you to death. And they want to see you excel and grow. And they do that by challenging you. Uh, you know, you, th- you think you wrote a good paper and you get a C. And you're like, why? And then you look at all the red markings they made and you're like, whoa. Yeah, they tore it apart. Well, some of us need to be torn apart. Uh, some of us need a good shellacking. And uh, that is what your schoolmaster is there for. Let's talk about employment. Uh, I'm not saying you have to get a job. I just spilled coffee in my Bible. If you have coffee stains in your Bible, uh, it's not a sign you're a slob. It's a sign you study really early or really late. Or uh, you're podcasting and, and slurping too much. Anyway, um, employment, employment, you got, you know, I'm not saying work yourself to death, right? Um, I think you need to go into Bible college with money saved up. Don't go into it with like, uh, zero money in the bank and eight, $8,000 on your credit card. Not smart. Uh, cause life happens, you know, you'll need new tires on your car. You, you got this, you got that. What? Go in with some money saved up, go in with no debt. And uh, I, th- I think you need to work a little bit. You need to be generating some type of income. I think it's just good for guys and girls to do that. The ones that didn't have jobs at Bible college, the, a, a lot of them seemed kind of lost. I think work will help you focus. It, if you're not gainfully employed, then, man, do something. Get involved with the school. Uh, pick up trash or something. you you got to be serving. you got to be working, providing for yourself, doing something, right? You do all of these things, you're going to have a great experience at Bible college. You do all of these things, you won't get in trouble. You do these things, you won't get sidetracked. You do these things, you won't lose your way. You stay focused on a good social life, grow yourself personally, develop ministry inside of you, uh, do well in your academics, learn from your teachers, love your teachers, soak it up. Uh, and, and then get, do some employment, get a job, do something. And you will have a great experience at Bible college, not bridal, not backslide, not binge watch Bible college. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Happy anniversary to all the gateway college freshmen of 2001. Somebody said-
allow myself to introduce myself, Justin C. Gleason. Yeah, baby, yeah. 